This podcast was produced in partnership with Post Industrial Media. Post Industrial produces original journalism in podcast, print, online, and video, covering communities in transition around the world. Join our community today by visiting postindustrial.com. A heads up to listeners, there's just a bit of swearing in this episode. Like, it's not much, but you know, it's 2022. So just get your earmuffs ready if you got kids in the car. Okay, here we go. J.R. Majewski was in D.C. the day of the Capitol insurrection. He's an Ohio politician, but back then he was still two months from announcing his run for office. On that day in January 2021, he bust dozens of people in with him, all the way from northwest Ohio. We decided to raise some money and uh, take people that were less fortunate, that, that couldn't necessarily afford to go on their mm-hmm. own. And so um, raised, raised a pretty good amount of money and uh, ended up taking... A substantial amount of, of wounded veterans and uh, retired military people and, and their families. They started at the Stop the Steal rally. That was the one featuring outgoing President Donald Trump to support overturning the lawful election of Joe Biden. Then Trump gave Majewski and the massive crowd literal marching orders. And after this, we're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down. Anyone you want, but I think right here we're going to walk down to the Capitol. And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. Majewski heeded the call, along with thousands of other Trump supporters. Here he is on a webcast with a right-wing personality named Zach Payne, who goes by Red Pill 78 They're talking about walking to the Capitol together that day. Payne starts it off. Now, when we were uh, standing there in front of the Capitol building, we were right there in that first wave of people that came in on our side. And we saw that they had crossed the snow fence. We saw that they had crossed that first barrier. And uh, they were. It was immediate. Yes, it, there, there, and that, that's why I showed the the police. They're letting people in because it was like we started walking, we never stopped walking, and we made it all no the way to the up. yeah, all the way to the base of the Capitol building. It's faint, but Majewski says they had quote no intention to stop walking. You know all about the riot that ensued. A pro-Trump mob battled with police and ransacked the building, hoping to overturn the election. People got killed. More than 700 have been arrested in connection with it. Majewski says he didn't take part in the riot, though his description of being at the base of the Capitol at least puts him right at the police lines. And he says some of the people he busted to the rally were injured in the melee. In a phone interview with me, he admitted he was there to support the overturn of the election. I mean, the, the achievement would be, you know, um, we were hoping, right, that the Senate would give a, a, a favorable vote on the... Uh, you know, the results of, of the election and, um, you know, supporting the president. That favorable vote he's talking about, that would be to reject Joe Biden's win and accept Trump's big lie that he had won the election, despite no evidence of widespread voter fraud. It would have subverted the will of the American people. In case his intent was unclear... Certainly anyone that supported President Trump felt as if that Mike Pence, the right thing for the vice president to do was, was to, you know, overturn the results. Right now, this guy who wanted to throw out the votes of so many Americans, he's asking for your vote, at least if you live between Toledo and Cleveland. He's running to be Congressman Majewski, and he's got a chance. 
As in, he could knock out the longest-serving woman in Congress. Majewski is running in Ohio's 9th district. Normally, that would seem like a laughable proposition. Ohio's 9th is represented by Democrat Marcy Kaptur. She's been in there nearly 40 years, and she usually destroys Republican challengers. But Majewski is part of a new insurrectionist wing of the GOP that's running candidates around the country. On the surface, it seems like such fringe candidates wouldn't have a shot. Things are changing, though. Well, at least legislative maps are changing. I'm Heath Drusen, and this is Extremely American, a look inside militias and other far-right groups that are trying to remake America in their absolutist image. Episode 7, The Insurrectionist Wing. Ohio's 9th district has been held up as the nightmare example of gerrymandering for years. Gerrymandering, of course, is when partisan committees draw congressional maps to favor one party over another. The district is known as the snake on the lake for its bizarre dimensions. Its razor-thin borders stretch about 100 miles along Lake Erie, from Cleveland to Toledo. It smashed in parts of two of the state's largest cities, along with small resort towns like Port Clinton. And its representative is Democrat Marcy Kaptur. I remember what it was like to live in a family that got an unemployment mm. check and how tenuous everything was. And uh, I thought, I can be a voice for families because I understand this. And what happened was we went on to win that election. We were outspent three to one. That's Kaptur reflecting on her first congressional election in 1982. She's now the longest serving woman in Congress. She's got some eclectic views. She's a member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. She supports abortion rights, but always with some restrictions. Kaptur was a longtime holdout on the impeachment of Donald Trump before eventually voting for it. She's also been critical of free trade agreements such as NAFTA, championed by fellow Democrats. Here she is at an anti-NAFTA rally in 1993. As a representative of an Ohio community that fully understands the connection between jobs and trade, let me begin by quoting a slogan now made famous in this great fight, NAFTA, we don't have to. It will give us the shaft Democrats didn't draw the lines of this legislative district, though they've obviously helped Kaptur. She regularly gets between 65 and 80 percent of the vote. That hasn't stopped some colorful Republican challengers from trying to unseat her over the years. Remember this guy? Name's Joe Wurzelbach. Good to see you, Joe. I'm getting ready to buy a company that <laughs> yeah. uh, makes 200, about 250, 270, $80,000 a year. All right. Your new tax plan is going to tax me more, doesn't it? Well, here's what's going to happen. The, uh, if you're a small business, which you would call, yes. first of all, you get a 50%. That's Joe the plumber. He became a brief sensation after confronting Barack Obama on the campaign trail. His name is actually Sam Wurzelbacher, and he went on to run against Capture in 2012. Kaptur beat Wurzelbacher handily, as she has every Republican challenger for about four decades. But all that political success doesn't mean she supports how her district is drawn. Here she is talking to a TV reporter who's poking fun at the meandering borders of the district. Doesn't it make sense that my representative should be at least within an hour of my city? That would be wonderful. Yes. (laughs) That would be wonderful. But that isn't the map they drew us. They drew us a very convoluted map that politically translates into 16 members of Congress in Ohio, four of which are Democrats and 12 of which are Republicans in a state that votes 50-50. 
Now that's called gerrymandering. That is called gerrymandering. The reason the lines were drawn that way was to herd more Democrats into one district. That's opposed to having them sprinkled in a few surrounding districts. If that had happened, those districts would have been more competitive, as opposed to solidly Republican, like they currently are. As Kaptur alluded to, Ohio already has a Republican-dominated congressional delegation way out of whack with its voting patterns. The current map was hammered out after the 2010 census. Since then... In Ohio, not a single district changed hands between parties all decade. It was 12 Republicans, four Democrats all decade. And that really is anathema to the reason why we have elections every two years. The, the founding fathers thought, you know, as a boot of the country changes, so should the composition of Congress. And because of gerrymandering, that just doesn't happen. The results are baked in at the beginning of the decade. That's Michael Lee. He's senior counsel at the Brennan Center for Justice at NYU School of Law. He's also an expert on redistricting and gerrymandering. Captor's district was one of the four Democratic ones. But then came 2021, a year when legislative maps are redrawn. It happens every 10 years in what's known as redistricting. Along with that goes its drunk, scheming cousin, gerrymandering, which is just partisan redistricting. And 2021 was a redistricting year. For four decades, the ninth had been safe for Captor and Democrats. But now the redistricting committee in Ohio, which is dominated by Republicans, got more ambitious with gerrymandering. And they've now redrawn District 9 to go from overwhelmingly Democratic to Republican-leaning. They've achieved that by including a bunch of rural areas in the new map to make it more red. If people thought that Ohio's 12-4 Republican gerrymander last decade was bad, this decade's maps are actually more brazen. They potentially create a map with 12 Republicans and and three Democrats in, in, in a good year for Republicans, it could actually end up being a 13-2 map, which is wildly skewed. For context, Barack Obama narrowly won Ohio in 2012. In 2020, Donald Trump won Ohio, but with only 53% of the vote. Some of the most aggressive gerrymandering in the country has occurred in battleground states like Pennsylvania, Ohio, North Carolina, and that's precisely because battleground states give you both the motive to gerrymander, because if you if you just sort of drew fair maps, there would be a lot of competition on those maps. The U.S. Supreme Court has already ruled that political gerrymandering is an issue for states to decide. Some states say gerrymandering is perfectly legal. In Ohio, it's banned, though what that means in practice is up for debate. This January, the Ohio Supreme Court did reject the new statewide redistricting map, saying the districts were unfairly partisan. But it doesn't force Republicans to change their proposed lines for District 9, Captors District. So that remains up in the air. I reached out to members of Ohio's redistricting commission, but they declined to be interviewed for this episode. An earlier statement from commission member and Democratic state senator Vernon Sykes blasted the maps. The reality is that when you gerrymander, you are potentially reshaping your own party's politics in in ways that may be unintended. Lee says in their zeal to cement an advantage, parties might not be thinking through who they're actually opening the door to. It could make for more extreme candidates getting through in the sense that once you have a really safe district, and that, of course, is the goal of gerrymandering, is to draw districts that your party is pretty assured of of winning. And so everything that really matters is the primary. And we know from a lot of experience that the primary electorate of both parties tends to be more extreme, but in particular, in recent years, the, the primary electorate of Republicans. And so that is something that I think you could end up with more Marjorie Taylor Greens. Green, of course, is the far-right congresswoman from Georgia who's repeated the baseless conspiracy QAnon. And that takes us back to J.R. Majewski, who announced he was running against Captor for Ohio's 9th in March 2021. 
Majewski is an Air Force veteran in his early 40s who lives in Port Clinton, Ohio. It's a small town on the shores of Lake Erie. It's got historic lighthouses and claims to be the walleye capital of the world. When I was there, there was a giant fish statue downtown celebrating this. Majewski still got a military haircut, a flat top, as well as a beard and a stocky build. In his campaign ads, he's partial to t-shirts with a blazer and jeans. He works in a nuclear power plant, and he presents himself as a working-class alternative to insider politicians. Growing up, we didn't have much. Dad was a hard worker at Jeep. Mom stayed at home with the kids. In our interview, Majewski said he wanted to bridge the political divide. We have now postured our political affiliation on both sides as like the end-all, be-all of who we are as people. And we don't talk anymore once we understand, if we understand, that we have opposing political affiliations or political opinions. And to me, we need to discuss those beliefs with one another, and hopefully we can learn something from one another. We we need to be able to disagree without being disagreeable. That's not really how he's run his campaign, though. He's dabbled in QAnon. He's also posted anti-COVID-19 vaccine messages and questioned whether police were responsible for the January 6th insurrection. And he still claims without evidence that Trump won the 2020 election. I wanted to ask him more about that after our initial phone interview, but he stood me up last minute when I came to Port Clinton to sit down with him. He hasn't returned phone calls since. Recently, he hasn't been talking to many mainstream reporters at all. Some appearances on far-right channels like OAN and Newsmax, but also a lot of direct-to-voters social media. Here's a music video he appeared in with Toledo rapper J360, posted to YouTube a few months ago. Let's go Brandon, gas prices high. Let's go Brandon, tax twice as high. Let's go Brandon. Okay, so yeah, I know. It's pretty scandalous that J360 thinks he can get away with rhyming high and high. And the Let's Go Brandon thing, you might be familiar. It's code for Fuck Joe Biden. The backstory is exactly as dumb as you would expect from 2021. I'll let you look it up if you're unfamiliar. Anyway, then Majewski gets his moment to rap. Not to poke fun at dementia, it's a serious disease. But come on, man, squeeze your cheeks when you sneeze. Joe is focused on ice cream while he's crapping his pants. We want our dreams and our freedom. This is our last chance. Majewski probably needs to keep his day job at the nuclear power plant. But aside from the suspect rapping skills, accusing the president of shitting his pants isn't exactly bridging the divide. But as amusing as that ham-fisted rap is, there's some fringe stuff too. Throughout, there's a whole anti-vax theme. They keep sending love to NBA star Kyrie Irving, who refuses to get a COVID-19 vaccine. At the end of the video, Majewski flies the Betsy Ross flag. That's the American flag with the stars in a circle. It's been co-opted by militias and other far-right groups. More than a year before that rap, Majewski was already a little famous for an appearance on the Fox News show Fox and Friends. For J.R. Majewski's big national TV moment, he carefully placed himself in full view of his lawn. One man in Ohio showing his support for the president in a very big way, painting his entire front lawn 19,000 square feet into a giant Trump 2020 banner. Joining us now from his yard, Air Force veteran J.R. Majewski. JR, good morning. You got a crowd there with you as well. Thank you for your service. Yeah, we and who do you got behind you? So yeah, as you heard, Majewski painted his massive triangular lawn in homage to Trump. He totally became the Trump lawn guy and has since repainted it in several other Trump designs. Tell me, tell us, We'd why did you, you paint your lawn a Trump sign? 
I'm just in support of the president. I think he's going through a lot of troubles and turmoils right now, and uh, a lot of a lot of people like myself out here supporting him. And we've been silent, but I think it's a uh, it's about time that we we voice our support. But there was something else going on. What the Fox News hosts either didn't pick up on or purposely ignored was Majewski's shirt. In the upper right corner, there was the letter Q in the colors of the American flag. That Q is the logo of the QAnon conspiracy. That's the one where a cabal of Democrats are supposedly murdering babies to feast on their adrenochrome. You know, the pedophile ring in the basement of the pizzeria. The conspiracy that convinced hundreds of people to go to Dallas to await the return of the still very much dead JFK Jr. Majewski backpedaled on that shirt when I talked to him. Says he hangs out with people who are into Q but doesn't believe in it. But he also says he didn't know what the Q meant at the time of his appearance. Majewski says he's just against the status quo. No, I don't believe <laughs> I believe there's an okay. establishment, but I think that those establishment folks are establishment politicians. I don't think they're establishment pedophiles. His social media history tells a different story. He has regularly posted QAnon memes and hashtags, though it appears he's since scrubbed his account of QAnon content. He's also close with a QAnon conspiracist, that guy RedPill78 on YouTube. And he proudly displays a photo of himself posing with far-right Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene on his campaign site. Green has often repeated aspects of the QAnon conspiracy theory. Whatever Majewski's actual personal beliefs on Q, that Fox News appearance thrust him into the spotlight. He was the Trump lawn guy and the Q guy, which nowadays isn't always a negative. Well, I I think he comes from (laughs) the new energy center in the Republican Party, which is just outlandish, over-the-top, fairly thoughtless worship of Donald Trump and sort of a, a, a mindless questioning of everything and and people who are good at being outlandish is an absolute main qualification for success in Republican primaries. That's David Niven, a political science professor at the University of Cincinnati. He pointed out the eye-popping contrast between Marcy Kaptur and J.R. Majewski. It certainly puts into stark relief the fact that we could even converse about it, that you could take one of the true deans of the congressional delegation, not just in Ohio, but across the nation, and think that she could potentially be endangered by a candidate who paints his yard in tribute to uh, to Donald Trump. But candidates like Majewski, who have connections to far-right groups and ideologies, are on the rise. And they're helped by gerrymandering. If you have to get votes from both parties, it's a lot harder to embrace fringe views and have enough broad appeal. And increasingly, because of gerrymandering, you don't need votes from both parties. Not that gerrymandering is new. Its name comes from a Massachusetts governor from the early 1800s. But as Michael Lee from NYU School of Law points out, mapping technology and sophisticated voter data makes it so much more effective now. But it's something that is getting worse and having a bigger impact on American politics because it's getting easier to draw gerrymanders and it's easier to draw them in a way that they're pernicious. And as he mentioned before, it is perhaps nowhere more dramatic than battleground states like Ohio. It's helping fuel a whole far right wing of the GOP. People who were at the Capitol the day of the insurrection were supported it, now running for or in office. There's a bunch of candidates connected to that day now. Lee mentioned Marjorie Taylor Greene, the QAnon-curious Georgia congresswoman who has defended the January 6th insurrection. There's militia member Audra Johnson, known as the MAGA Bride, running in Michigan. She was at the Trump rally the day of the insurrection. And there's Pennsylvania State Senator Doug Mastriano, who crossed police lines during the riot. 
He's running for governor. And that's just a snapshot of the increasingly far-right political landscape going into the midterm elections. And Majewski, of course. He has to get through a Republican primary first. But how would Majewski govern if he did win? Consider his answer when I asked him who he admires in Congress. I like Rand Paul a lot. Um, I like, uh, and I like Jim Jordan a lot. You know, I think those two are very, very strong constitutionalists. And, and, and that's where I see myself. Jim Jordan is a far-right Republican representing Ohio's 4th District. Jordan's also accused by several former athletes of covering up sex abuse during his time as wrestling coach at Ohio State. He denies this. Since the last presidential election, he's been a leading supporter of the lie that Trump was cheated out of the 2020 election. On the day of the January 6th U.S. Capitol riot, he was even scheming to keep Trump in office after he lost the election. So, a Congressman Majewski, based on that, hard to see him healing divisions in America. Given all that, should we expect more gerrymandering in the future? Congress has the power to change it, but Republicans have fought hard against reforms. Both parties gerrymander, but it's certainly helped Republicans much more recently. The American people, though, they hate it. And it doesn't matter what party you support. A recent national poll found 9 in 10 voters oppose redistricting aimed at benefiting one party or another. But does that mean it's going away anytime soon? Michael Lee wants to believe Congress will do that. I am cautiously optimistic because I have to be, because I think the alternative is so bad. You know, the alternative is having maps that are wildly skewed, that create more polarization, and that really will help undermine and potentially destroy our democracy. So I am, I am hopeful because I, I have to be and we have to continue fighting the good fight. Hopeful because he has to be. I think, at the moment, that's about as bullish as anyone can be on ending gerrymandering. Next time on Extremely American, we head to a mythical 51st state. It's a large swath of rural land in the American Northwest called the American Redoubt. And people in the Patriot Movement see it as a refuge. We don't live in a democracy. We live in a constitutional republic. You can vote your way into an autocratic government, but often history has shown that you have to shoot your way out of it. Extremely American was created by me, Keith Drusen. Story editing by Morgan Springer. Mixing and sound engineering by James Dawson. Original music by Micah Huang. Additional music from Artlist. Kim Palmero is editor-in-chief and CEO of Post-Industrial Media. Thanks also to Boise State Public Radio, the exclusive public radio sponsor for this podcast. I hope you'll take a second to rate and review this podcast on whatever app you're using to listen. It helps other people find us. This podcast is made possible through the Candida Fund. Learn more at kendeda.org and from the Joyce Foundation, joycefdn.org, with support from the Forbes Funds at forbesfunds.org. For photos from this series and some companion articles, head over to postindustrial.com. This podcast was produced in partnership with Post Industrial Media. Post Industrial covers people, culture, and ideas for post industrial communities around the world. Visit postindustrial.com to learn how you can join the post industrial community.